Welcome everyone to another episode of the Rob the Genius Podcast. Uh, if you hear the rain outside, yes, it is indeed raining. Um, as I record the intro. So this episode, uh, just a few things. With a big celebration of Dan Snyder being gone. Got a good bit to say about Hollywood accounting and the writers, actors strikes. And I got a lot to say about Ron DeSantis and racism. <laughs> so, I'm um, not going to waste any time here. Let's get to it. Um, this episode took as long as it did because I forgot to record the intro, which I'm doing right now. <laughs> so, anyway, um, so this is the intro. And that other sound you heard is Kitty, the, the, the cat. <laughs> Yeah, she's here with me this morning. As uh, anyway, so let's let's get into the show here. And so, because Kitty's hungry, she needs to be. She needs her cat food, and I need to stop delaying this thing. <laughs> so, all right, guys, uh, let's get into it. All right, so I've recorded a bunch of different times trying to encapsulate this, you know, writers' strike and actors' strike. And I'm going to do as best as I can now to kind of keep it simple but properly explained and without rambling. Alright, look, the, the, the way after reading a bunch of different accounts, stories from actors, writers, um, I think that it's very simple the way you can explain it now. And, and look, this is the same situation with pretty much every kind of big labor situation here in the good old U.S. of A. Right? It's very simple. The people at the top don't want to pay and they do everything they can to get out of paying people and they've been able to get away with doing this for a very long time, for decades. So what we're having here now, we're having a reckoning because with uh, you know some of the new technological advances coming and with like AI and all of that now, they're trying to come up with a new way to not pay people. And it just so happened that this AI stuff started to become a thing around the same time that all these contracts came up. They've already, you know, telegraphed that they intend to use artificial intelligence to do things so that they can get out of paying people, right? That's their intent. That is 100% what they intend on doing. And because, again, this comes down to not just them not wanting to pay people. They've done everything they possibly can to get out of paying people for decades, every legal loophole imaginable and then sometimes they just say fuck it I'm not paying because most of the writers and directors and actors do not have the financial means to take them to court and fight it out so in a lot of cases they can just do whatever the hell they want because most people don't have enough money to fight them 
but they, you know, they blatantly just lie and say that things don't make money that have made money. And, you know, they have found various legal ways to get things classified as having lost money. So they don't have to pay people. Because I understand that if everything lost money that they said was losing money, you wouldn't have all these movies being made. You wouldn't have all these TV shows being filmed. You just wouldn't. Because they wouldn't. there'd be no money to do any of it. You know, uh, about 10 years ago or so, there was a similar situation in the NBA. Where, you know, the commissioner and the team owners, you know, swore up and down that all these teams were losing all this money. And it turns out that, you know, they, they were using, again, accounting tricks. You know, ways of count, you know, counting, like, the abstract value of players, right? Not, you know, just looking at it and like, okay, well, when we had these players, we sold this many more tickets or whatever. You know, there's this kind of convoluted, just abstract way of calculating the value of a player, and of course that value depreciates over time and they used things like that to you know try to tell the whole world that hey you know we got 30 teams and 20 of them are losing money whereas if 20 out of 30 NBA teams were losing money you wouldn't have 30 NBA teams (laughs) okay so yeah, if all of these things are losing money that these studios say are losing money, you wouldn't have all of these things. Alright, uh, Peter Jackson, the director of Lord of the Rings, had to sue to get all his proper money that was due to him. And he said they told him that the Lord of the Rings series was not profitable. Which is ludicrous. They made seven movies. And they've, they're doing... And, you know, there's a... Streaming series now understand something if those movies were not profitable they wouldn't have made seven of them okay if the first one didn't turn a profit they might have you know maybe you might have gotten one more but probably not you know if the first one or two turned a profit but then they stopped being profitable we wouldn't have gotten all the way to seven I mean, there have been plenty of movie series that were stopped, you know, halfway through, midway through, or almost to the end, because they were losing money, and the studio finally just can't do this anymore. So no, there's no way they made seven Lord of the Rings movies that were not profitable. Uh, one of the guys who wrote Men in Black said he was given the same runaround and he had to sue he was told that Men in Black again a movie that spawned two more sequels and it was one of the biggest hits of the summer when it came out he was told that that movie did not make a profit of course that was a lie but legally they found ways to make it true Uh, my big fat Greek wedding. And the 
woman who created that, Nia Villardos, I believe. Alright, she was told that it wasn't profitable. The movie cost $6 million to make, $6 million to make. It grossed $350 million at the box office. And yet, somehow, she, she was told that somehow, some way, that movie was not profitable. And she sued. To, you know, to basically, the and the reason you sue is you take them to court, and you go through discovery, and then you find out, you know, the real financials on the movie, and then that's when they're like, okay, <laughs> we were just kidding. We'll pay you. just a year or two ago uh, Scarlett Johansson you know sued Disney for not paying her everything she was supposed to get from Black Widow and their first defense was to say hey we paid you enough why are you complaining lady which I mean that was literally their first line of defense in the public was just you know they quote some big number we we already paid you all this much isn't that enough Scarlett You know, and they say that, of course, because they, they throw out this really big number, and it's more money than any of us has ever seen. And, you know, the hope is that we that we will see this big number and say, well, man, isn't that enough, lady? And the answer to that is, no, it's not enough. You're supposed, you're supposed to get what they what's in the contract. That's what they're supposed to pay you. What's in the contract for services rendered? So if it says 50 million, they're supposed to give you 50 million. If it says 100, they're supposed to give you 100. It doesn't matter how much it is. It's in the contract. They're supposed to pay it to you. Alright? You know, you're to do that. Too much money to be paying one person. Well, the people in charge are making more. Right? I mean... You're supposed to get what's in the contract. But what we're finding out more and more through as more and more of these stories come out that these studios are not, they're not even, they're not paying what's in the contract. Okay. It's not that they're not agreeing to pay people. They're, they're agreeing to pay people. They are putting it in writing. They are signing papers saying that, yes, we're going to, we are going to pay you X amount of dollars to, act in this movie or to write this movie or to direct this movie right it is in the contract we will pay you this much to do this and then they are not paying and they don't and then they found other ways of you know not paying for things that they should pay for and what's happening with streaming you know a lot of these folks they sign you know the contracts they sign for residuals whatever were based on like the movie or show being broadcast or rebroadcast on you know traditional television and you know streaming is a whole different kind of deal so they're getting pennies for residuals on streaming um and then some streaming projects are getting canceled early you know or after a season or two so that they can so they don't have enough episodes to you know have to pay out residuals um you 
just, I mean, it is what it is, right, um, well, that's the wrong thing to say, but, yeah, these studios are not paying people, and they're being complete assholes and not paying, and they're, they're doing it because they can, legally, they don't, they, you know, and they're doing it because, again, they, most of the people and don't have the means to take them to court and fight it out, and the ones who do, just, you know, the studios have thought for a long time that they could just mention that they paid you this, you know, $50 million, so why are you mad? Like in Scarlett Johansson's case, you know, they mentioned, well, we already paid her, I forget what it was, but it was, you know, well, we already paid her $20 million, right? Because, the, you know, they kind of make it look like she's greedy. You know, we already paid her $20 million, which well, she want more, you know, and, well, if she was supposed to get 50, then you were supposed to pay her 50. It wasn't 50, but whatever it was, right? Whatever they were supposed to pay her, they should have paid her. I don't care how big the number is. They agreed to pay it. And what these folks have been doing, they've been, they've been basically doing everything they can to get out of paying money that has been agreed upon. And that's the biggest thing. They're not paying people money that, that they've already agreed to pay them. And one of the things in the labor negotiations is about, you know, late payment. And, you know, the actors and the writers and all, they, they want some type of penalty for late payment. And the studios are like, well, fuck it, we pay late, it is what it is. Now, you or I work in all the regular jobs, right? If our employer just said, hey, man, we pay you when we pay you, we wouldn't stand for that, right? But, you know, these folks do it. Anyway, and again, they do it because most people can't fight them, and they think they can win the PR battle against the rest. And well, they're... So what I, I, I want, hope just more and more of these actors need to keep telling these stories and more of these directors and writers need to keep just telling these stories about how they were how they've been just screwed out of money that they that was agreed upon to be paid to them because look I, you know i'm not reading through all these all agreements i have no idea what the correct amount of points that you know people should be offered on residuals for this that I, I don't know all of that i do know that You should be paid what, what's been agreed to be paid to you. And if they tell you there's no money to pay it, then there better be some evidence uh, that some other folks aren't getting paid, right? If, if you're telling me that, you know, if, I, if, if you're telling me that this, you know, movie series has not been profitable, then, then you need to explain to me how, why it didn't end after two movies then you know why it made it all the way out to seven movies and somehow it's not profitable you gotta explain that to me because that sounds like some money laundering kind of situation <laughs> but anyway look that's what it is all this you know everything else is window dressing and pr speak and all it comes down to the people at the top don't want to pay and they do everything to get, to get out of paying that's what it is And, alright, so I gotta start 
this episode off with, of course, the big news out of Washington. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Well, I should say, <laughs> the witch is gone, or the witch has sold the team. Uh, it became official. Dan Snyder, out of here. We are free from Dan Snyder and his horrendous 24 years of ownership. Okay. Um, he was not just a bad owner. He, 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 was, he ran the team like a garbage human being. Um, from literally pimping out the cheerleaders to hiding money. This was from the other teams. Hiding money from his... Or not distributing money to the minority owners. Um, he was essentially using the team to as his own kind of little ATM machine. And here's the thing. Right, before we even get to the, the pimping and the sexual harassment factory he was running... If you own an NFL team and you have money problems, then I got to question your just overall decision-making in life. Because an NFL team is like just an endless supply of money. It's like a fountain of money. Like, they literally get a bunch of money just distributed to them every year just from television. Without even having to do anything. You can go 0-17 and lose 40 to nothing every week. And you will still get almost a billion dollars every year just from television. If you own an NFL team. Or it might be more now. You know, it, I don't know. But it's somewhere in the neighborhood of a billion dollars that every team gets from television. Okay. That's without having to sell one ticket. Without having to sell one piece of merchandise. Without That's without anybody tuning in to watch the game on television. You know. That's without not a dime of local advertising money. Okay. They get one billion dollars. Or close to it. Alright. That's how... That's what owning an NFL team is like. Now, of course, yes, you got to pay players. You got to pay to operate the stadium and all that good stuff. But okay, I mean, the high side of a, a yearly NFL payroll for players is probably like 150 million dollars. That's if, that's if everybody hits all their bonuses and everything, which of course they don't. Um, Yeah, you know, I guess you got to pay to operate the stadium, and you got to pay all the other employees. But even if that's even if that's another hundred fifty, that, let's say that's another two hundred million, or two fifty to operate the stadium and pay everybody else. Let's say that's two fifty. All right, that's two fifty, one fifty. That's four hundred million dollars. You're still clearing six hundred million dollars. Okay, it's like yeah, we got to pay taxes. Okay, and well, I mean, these owners all have these, like, super ridiculously complicated tax shelters going on. So, I mean, they're not paying that much, at least not relative to what they're bringing in. But even then, let's, let's, let's say you end up paying 50%. Okay. 
um, you're still you know, 50% of your income. All right, so 50% of a billion, 500,000, 500 million, I'm sorry, 500 million out of the 600 million you're left with, you're still left with $100 million as the owner of the team. Um, and that's just from television. There's revenue sharing from ticket sales. There's, you know, merchandise money. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're a bad team is probably clearing two hundred million dollars a year. By my kind of amateur speculative math here, maybe more. Um, so, if, I mean, if you're clearing two hundred million dollars a year. And like that's, and then a lot of these owners have, they have, these kind of basically Tony Soprano type deals with the stadium, with the with the cities for the stadium. A lot of these owners get a piece of the action um, for other events that go on at these stadiums. Um, it's just kind of ridiculous. But yet he somehow had money problems. He was literally pimping out the cheerleaders who get paid a, a pittance as it is. And look, well, there's no amount of money you could pay them to be out here pimping them. But I don't know. Yeah, there's no correct amount of money to you know to pay them for that. But to to pay them, you know, the fact that they make very little money start with it's just I mean yeah and then the, and then the front office was a sexual harassment haven from all the reporting in the Washington Post um, and then and it looks like he tried to you know save himself by you know ratting out John Gruden you know with all those emails something Gruden got in trouble for um it, it's, I mean, it's, it's just it's bad. And now, one thing you can learn from this, or that we should have already known, but that these very comically inept team owners, like they're not just inept; they're you, they're, they're a lot of them are bad guys. Right? And you know, we learned that with, you know, with Donald Sterling and um, with the Clippers. Right, um, it's just, you know, yeah, he's a bad guy. Ran the team like a bad guy would run the team. And he's gone. Thank God he is gone. I know some people are going to say, well, he cashed out for $6 billion. Um, I'd rather he cash out for $6 billion and go away 
and to continue to own that team. And again, he, he they ran a they had a sexual harassment den going on, and harassment is putting it lightly. All right, I'm sorry. And again, they were pimping out the cheerleaders. Okay, it is better for that type of individual to be gone. He was stealing money basically from the other owners and from the his partners and ownership for the team. It is better for him to be gone. It is better for him to get six billion dollars and be gone than to continue to be there and to continue to be able to do that nonsense. And you know the new owner, uh, Josh Harris. I think there was already a piece saying, well, he needs to do more than just be better than Dan Snyder. Well, being better than Dan Snyder is a big, pretty big accomplishment, okay? Being better than Dan Snyder means that he's not stealing from his, you know, the other owners and from his partners. Okay? That's being better than Dan Snyder. Being better than Dan Snyder means he's not, again, he's not pimping out the cheerleaders. It means that he's not running a sexual harassment den in the front office. That's all being better than Dan Snyder. All right. Yes, do we want a better record on the field? Of course we do. Of course we do. But here's the thing. You know, competent ownership, competent management, competent leadership. Well, eventually, you know what? will eventually hit it, all right, I mean, you know, first you want to be consistently good again, if you're consistently good, then, you know what, maybe you eventually get lucky with those missing one or two pieces and you break through, it's fine, but a consistent playoff team again here would be a nice start, be a great start, it'd be a huge improvement over Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder made the playoffs. I mean, well, the team made the playoffs under Dan Snyder. Maybe, what, five times? You know, once with Norv Turner. Um, twice with Gibbs. Okay. Uh, once with Shanahan. That's four. Um, I think Rivera made it once. It's five. Okay, so yeah, like five times under Dan Snyder. And a few times they were just short. But they were bad. They were mostly bad. And he hired a bunch he hired several just lousy head coaches. Guys who were not suited for the job, you know, um, Steve Spurrier. Jim Zorn. Jay Gruden. Right? He hired all those guys. And, and yeah, Marty Schottenheimer was a good hire. Yeah, again, Joe Gibbs to come back was a good hire. Um, Shanahan started out, well, it was okay. Basically, 50-50 between okay, between you know, good 
good head coaches or, you know, and lousy head coaches. Uh, we drafted, uh, how many quarterbacks? They drafted Heath Schuler in the first round. Then they drafted, a few years later, they drafted Patrick Ramsey in the first round. Then a few years after that, they drafted Jason Campbell in the first round. Then a few years after that, they drafted Dwayne Haskins. They drafted Robert Griffin III in the first round. I'm sorry. And then they drafted Dwayne Haskins in the first round. That's one, two, three, five. In 24 years, they drafted five quarterbacks in the first round. That is not winning franchise material. Okay. If, you know, I mean, during that same period of time, Green Bay Packers had two quarterbacks. They had Brett Favre, and they had um, Aaron Rodgers. Okay, two quarterbacks with Green Bay Packers over that time. The Indianapolis Colts, through most of that time, they would have well. And Andrew Luck not had the injury problems. They would have only had two quarterbacks over that same time. There are several other teams that over most of that stretch had one quarterback. The New England Patriots up until a year or two had only had two quarterbacks during that time. Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady. Um... drafted five in the first round. So, there's nothing good about his time or his tenure. Nothing. Not a thing. It's been terrible. And he deserves all the smoke he gets. All of it. Glad he's gone. I mean, yeah, it sucks that it took six billion dollars to get him out of here. But I'd rather I'd rather that happen. So good riddance, Dan. It's a brand new day. We are celebrating. We're doing a little Ewok dance from Return of the Jedi all over DC. We're singing the commander song. The commanders, you know. Yep, we're singing that. We're doing everything. And he's gone. And I've never been so happy to see someone run out of town that, that wasn't like Donald Trump or something. So get the hell on, Dan. Get the hell on. And don't, I, don't come back. Move across the country, buy an island or something. I don't give a damn. Get the hell out of here. And, and let's get ready to go for next season, baby. Alright, that's enough football talk for now. <laughs> time, no more ser- time for more serious matters. Alright, last thing. Uh, I'm going to get a little political here. 
like I always do. I'm gonna go back to Mr. DeSantis, who is Mr. He was an idiot. I mean, he really is. <clears throat> I know you're gonna say, well, he went to the Ivy League, whatever, whatever. Look, okay, he, he's an idiot. Then I don't know. Now I don't know if he's always been an idiot, but he has. At best, he has become an idiot in an effort to pander to the, to the MAGA folks. Yeah. And I'm saying that because, well, he's defending this these changes in the school curriculum in Florida. They're basically, re, you know, they're rewriting history. They're trying to basically teach a version of history to students that is not so harsh towards white people right because I mean if there's anybody in the world that needs to be, have less harsh things written about them it's, it's white people right <laughs> I mean yeah <laughs> I mean and I'm saying this you know with the knowledge that some of you who listen to the show are white and that, look throughout my 49 years on this earth some of my best friends have been white <laughs> I mean that's no I mean that, that is true but it's just funny to say that you know but anyway um um okay let me get serious again here alright so um they watered down the history curriculum because, you know, because all these people screaming about woke, 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 this woke, that, woke, woke, woke. Um, so they, you know, went on a mission to make the school curriculum less woke. And and what's really sad is that if you'd ask them to define what woke means, they wouldn't have been able to. They probably still can't. But they have taken it basically to mean is that, you know, if you're containing any criticism about white people. So they have, you know, gone on this mission to unwoke the curriculum. And part of that is, you know, and no one's in basically trying to say or insinuate that slavery wasn't all that bad. No, I mean they, they take and you know it's deliberate omission of things that were a part of slavery like for example um, <coughs> rape you know um, separation of families deliberate separation of families you know beatings, mutilation, murder kidnapping Right, all of those things were a part of the slave trade. You're a part of slavery. You can't have slavery without you know any of those things. It's just it, it, you can't. <coughs> slavery does not exist without those other parts. And one reason is because look at some in some areas. You know, there were more slaves than there were white people living there. Um, and you could not possibly, you know, you had to subdue the slave population and 
couldn't do that by saying, hey guys, um, would you like to just keep doing the work for us? I mean, you had to do violent, evil things, right, to subdue them. Because otherwise, I mean, you know, it would take all of about 30 seconds to look around and say, hey, there's a whole lot more of us than there are them. We don't have to do what they say. <laughs> and, like, I mean, that's, I mean, that's basically how things are done, like, in prison, right? I mean, you've got more prisoners than guards, so... I mean, the guards have to employ some type of, you know, something to give the guards power or intimidation over the uh, inmates. So, same type of thing, right? I mean, but anyway, so slavery had all that really awful, evil stuff involved. Not just, you know, hey, we brought these people over here and we're making them work for free. But anyway, alright, so that's kind of what's going on with the school curriculum. And it's one of those things that when you, you know, when you actually pull somebody up on it and say, hey man, um, you care to defend this? Or you care to explain this? Or you care to tell me why this is a good idea? You really can't. So then they have to start, uh, look, one of the kind of right-wing, conservative, Christian kind of things over the years has been trying to justify slavery by naming or supposedly some good results of it. Now, you think that sounds insane? It is. But the thing is, basically, it starts with a very racist assumption that you know, when we were over in Africa, we were just, we were riding around on zebras, chucking spears at each other, and, you know, not able to speak any type of human language, and, you know, completely illiterate or unintelligent, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, it starts with an, with an assumption that we were basically, like, you know, subhuman, or not human, or, <clears throat> or whatever, and that we were somehow rescued from that life about being brought over here to be around the civilized people. And it somehow, and it as horrible as slavery was, you know, it, it got you people educated, it got you people civilized, um, you know, it, it got you people some religion, uh, and it, look, it sounds absurd. Well, it should sound absurd to you. Because for one, I mean, the institution of slavery went on for until, you know, from the 1500s to the 1800s, like 300 years, right? <clears throat> and so, who, who are you doing a favor to? Right? I mean, you, like, you, if you want to buy into that logic, the people you first brought over as slaves in the 1500s didn't benefit. So you're saying that, hey, we're going to bring you over here, put you through all this awful stuff, and then 300, 400 years later, you know, your descendants will benefit from this. That, that's crazy talk. But, um, but let's say, you know, look, even if, if we want to get experimental here, let's say slavery lasted one generation of people. Let's say it lasted for 10 years instead of 300. Okay. The, it, it still doesn't, the logic still doesn't work. 
because what the saint just basically said was it well um you know some of those folks learn skills that they're able to use later you know later in life you, you use the example of being a blacksmith right um okay ron we already knew how to do that stuff again you're going off the idea that that we were unintelligent unskilled you know uneducated etc cetera, etc cetera, over there in africa we were not Okay, the slave who became, who was a good blacksmith as a slave, probably, there's a real good chance that they already knew how to do be a blacksmith. There's a real good chance they did some of that stuff over in Africa before you brought them over here. And then, of course, as time went on, you know, now, yeah, I guess at the end of it, the, the slaves who were around to be released, I guess maybe they learned it, right? Um, but maybe not, because, I mean, the slave trade kept going on. They were bringing slaves over here up until almost the end. So, basically, we knew how to do this stuff. We knew how to be blacksmiths. We knew how to farm. Uh, we knew how to make clothes or, you know, and all of that. Okay? So, so you, you didn't give us that by bringing us here. And then as far as getting educated, slaves weren't allowed to be educated, Ron. If slaves would be punished for reading, or for even if, if they were found out to be to know how to read or write, they were punished. You know, raped, mutilated, killed. Okay, or the family get broken up. So know that you know whatever education they may have gotten if they didn't already have it was not rewarded it was punished and as far as being able to use these skills later Ron 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 have you heard of Jim Crow Ron yes you have but but you you've been pretending so long that you don't know what you're talking about that now you really don't know what you're talking about um okay Black people who tried to open businesses were harassed, targeted, killed. Businesses burned down. Okay. Because why? Because the white folks didn't want them to have it. Okay. Go Google North Carolina coup, Ron, and any of you listening. Okay, Google it. Google, type just go and Google. Type in North Carolina coup. Okay, there were elected officials in North Carolina who were run out of office at gunpoint, like a banana republic. This is what was going on in the post-slavery period. Okay, so no, the people, the, the people who were slaves who survived through the Civil War, and you know, receive some type of freedom. No, they were not allowed to go out there and just take the quote-unquote skills that they'd learned and put them to use. They weren't. Okay. Ron, we weren't even allowed into colleges to further whatever education we may have had. 
okay, Ron, you have, in your state, Ron, there are, HBCUs in your state. You know why HBCUs were started, Ron? They were started because the white colleges wouldn't let us go there. Okay, they weren't started so, you know, for as, you know black social clubs or something. HBCUs, which of which you have many in your state, were created because white. Colleges would not admit us. Okay? So, no, nothing good came out of slavery. And and, if, and, and for the Christian conservative folks saying that, that you know, that it through, somehow through the horrors of slavery, you know, Africans receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number one, fuck you. Um, okay, as somebody who is Christian, I know you know. Maybe you should pick up your Bible and actually read it sometime. But Jesus' disciples were ministered in Africa. They'd already gone there. Okay, there'd been Christian missionaries, both with good and evil intentions, who had gone through Africa. You know, before the slave trade, the idea that these Africans somehow were receiving something through slavery that they weren't already getting is ridiculous. Okay, it is. But there are people who believe this. There are people, there are people who really and truly believe this. And because, you know, they don't want to accept the, the horror of slavery and what it was. And they also don't want to accept the, you know, the fact that, like, this wasn't some separatist group of white people who were doing all the slave owning. Okay, these, these and all the, you know, Jim Crow enforcing and all the North Carolina cooing. Okay. These were not some weird separate sect of white people. These were regular white people. These were reputable white people. These were white men and women of good standing in their community. And these they and these were white people who were some of these folks' ancestors and grandfathers and grandmothers and you know and so on. Look, man, if grandpa was a slave owner, you just gotta hold that ale, okay? Or great grandfather or whatever, all right. If if granddad or grandmom was, you know, some Jim Crow law enforcing racist, you gonna need to hold that L, all right, and accept it. And the best thing you can do is don't be one yourself, all right. Like, nobody's asking you to walk around with, like, ribbons of shame on or something all your life. Nobody's asking you to do that. You know. But, you know, you need to accept the truth. I mean, seriously. Just, and if you're wondering, look, look. It's very easy to just not be racist, okay? It's very easy to not, you know, 
be an asshole. Now, as far as some of the more complicated matters, like if you're one, if you're wondering, well, about things like affirmative action, if you're wondering about it, if you're curious about it, if you don't understand why it was created, you don't, you don't understand why it's still necessary. Then, let me give you the short answer: is racism. Okay, like. Listen, uh, we were deprived of some of the very things that are just basic. We were deprived. We were forbidden. We were prohibited from from having them or partaking in them. And in many cases, when we tried to just create our own version of it, you know, away from you guys, as soon as one of y'all got mad about it, you came and you burned it down, literally. Okay, we're talking centuries of not being allowed in the club, and then when you want to make your own club, and say, it, it gets burned down. Okay? We're talking centuries of that here. So... Hey, look, man, if you don't want me to hang around you, fine. You know, if you don't want me to do business with you, fine. If you don't want me to attend your church, fine. If you don't, you know, whatever, right? But, it's well, it's fine as long as I can do my own thing, separate from you. But, if I can't come around you, then I can't do my own thing either. You know what are we doing here? And that's what I mean. That's what went on for centuries. Okay, um, people like DeSantis just completely they you know they ignore this. They want to act like it didn't happen. And like one of the reasons that we we don't make progress is because. Progress has to start with acknowledgement, right? Like, it does. If, if there's no acknowledgement, then we can't go forward. I mean, people like the Santas, they want to just wipe any acknowledgement out of the picture. And acknowledge, look, again, I don't need you to go around apologizing for the rest of your life for something that your grandfather did. I don't need you wearing, like, a T-shirt that says, you know, my grandpa sucked. Right? I don't need you to do that. But, you know, we can't go forward if you're going to be out here like DeSantis. And it's going to take some of y'all to do more than just not be bad. I'll get to that in a minute. Anyway, that's, I can go, look, I can go on about this forever. DeSantis is a piece of shit. That, you know, you know, full stop. Right? All right, let's, let's move on. All right, uh, we're going to get out of here. But while we're doing it, while we're in the process of getting out of here, I want to give a, a tribute to one uh, Tony Bennett. Uh, he was like 96, I believe. Passed away over the weekend. Um, 
Tony, of course, was a great singer, you know, for decades. But every bit is important. We talk about people when we talk about people being allies, right? Uh, Tony Bennett was—he was military. He got demoted from corporal back down to private for eating lunch with a black man. <clears throat> okay. okay, got demoted for it. When I talk about this, see, that's the type of stuff that you know DeSantis doesn't want people to talk about. Um, Tony marched with civil rights people back in, during the civil rights movement. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying civil rights people because I don't know offhand just <coughs> which marches he attended or whatever. I'm just saying that he did. <coughs> and he was a frequent supporter of various causes for us. So when you're asking me, like, well, what, what are you asking if you're asking me what I want y'all to do, well, as a, as a whole, as a group, I just want y'all not to be racist assholes. <clears throat> but ultimately, it does take more than that. Okay, it does take some of y'all to go out there and take some heat, you know, with us, for us. And look, it's again, it's true for any um, any group that's on the receiving end of, of the shit, right? <coughs> you know, women need men to not just not be sexist assholes, but to stand up for them and take the bullets for them. You know. LGBT brothers and sisters need us to be willing to do some of the same for them. You know, um, immigrants need some us Americans who were born here to do the same for them. <coughs> and so forth and so on. So Tony Bennett was one of those people. Um, and look, I know, look, everybody ain't built for that. But if you are, <clears throat> if you are built for that, and you feel the calling, then we need to get on the field. And, um, you know, Tony Bennett was one of those people who got on the field. But of course, he also had, you know, the, his musical career spanned, uh, Lord knows how many decades, seven decades, eight decades. <clears throat> Worked with literally everyone there was possibly to work with in the, in the business. Um, so, we thank you we for you know, the art that you gave us. We thank you for the other things that you gave us, that you did. And condolences to the family. And God bless. And 
with that, you know what, it's probably a good time to wrap this thing up. Um, <clears throat> before it's August. <laughs> but anyway, um, as always, guys, this show doesn't, you know, the show still continues because you guys are here. And I thank you for that. And until next time. And you may you may hear me pop up in some other places. I am, you know, talking about making some more guest appearances in a few other places. I'll let you know when they happen. But other than that, thanks again, guys, always. And as always, you know, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. God bless you guys. And until next time.